Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wounded Blue Hour here on the America Out Loud Network, also heard on iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, a 34-year police veteran, uh, retired police lieutenant, founder of the Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers, the author of A Cop's Life and the soon-to-be-released Rescuing 911, The Fight for America's Safety. You can find it at rescuing911.org. On this show, we talk about everything involving the physical, emotional, spiritual health of the American law enforcement community. And I have a very, very special guest to bring on shortly. But before we do, we have uh, we begin this show with what I call the uh, reality check. And the reality check is the dangers that are facing American law enforcement officers. The attacks continue. In fact, um, as of today, as of today, uh, 99, 99 police officers have been shot so far this year. We're only in the first week in April. That means that virtually every single day a police officer has been shot. And uh, um, this is this continues unabated. Um, also on this show, we do what's called the end of watch, where I commemorate and memorialize the officers who have lost their lives in the line of duty since our last show. And unfortunately, I have several names to read this week as usual. So let's talk about the first one. Detective Sergeant Nicholas Pepper, LaForche Parish Sheriff's Office in Louisiana. Detective Sergeant Nick Pepper was killed when his vehicle was intentionally rammed by a suspect during a vehicle pursuit on Louisiana Highway 1 in Thibodeau. Deputies were assisting the Huma Police Department after officers attempted to stop the vehicle for a traffic violation. Officers and deputies pursued the vehicle until it stopped near LaRouche Crossing. As officers issued commands to the subject, the man suddenly accelerated and drove directly into Sergeant Pepper's car. Sergeant Pepper was transported to Thibodeau Regional Health System where he succumbed to his injuries. The subject was arrested and charged. Sergeant Pepper served the LaForge Parish Sheriff's Office for 15 and a half years, had served in law enforcement for 24. He had previously served with the Huma Police Department, Terrebonne Parish Sheriff's Office. He is survived by his wife and two daughters. Detective Sergeant Nicholas Pepper, LaForge Parish Sheriff's Office, Louisiana. End of watch, Sunday, April 2nd, 2023. Also, police officer Tim Unwin of the Springfield Township Police Department in Ohio. Police officer Tim Unwin was killed in a vehicle crash at the intersection of Hamilton and Center Ridge Avenue in North College Hill. He was responding to an officer needs assistance call when his patrol car collided with another vehicle shortly after midnight. Officers from multiple jurisdictions were responding to the call when the crash occurred. The driver of the other vehicle was also killed in the crash. Officer Unwin has served with the Springfield Township Police for two years. Police Officer Tim Unwin, Springfield Township Police Department, Ohio. End of Watch Friday, March 31st, 2023. 
Police Officer Garrett Crumby, Huntsville Police Department, Alabama. Police Officer Garrett Crumby was shot and killed while responding to a shots fired call in the 4600 block of Governor's House Drive at 4.45 p.m. A female called 911 reported she had been shot. When Officer Crumby and another officer responded, they were ambushed by the subject. Both officers were transported to Huntsville Hospital, where Officer Crumby succumbed to his wounds. The other officer remains in critical condition. The subject was taken into custody and charged with capital murder. Officer Crumby had served the Huntsville Police for three years, previously served with the Tuscaloosa Police Department for eight years. He is survived by his wife, mother, father, and three sisters. Police Officer Garrett Crumby, Huntsville Police Department, Alabama, end of watch Tuesday, March 28, 2023. And Corporal Scotty Canazero and Sergeant David Poirier of the Baton Rouge Police Department in Louisiana were killed in a helicopter crash in a field off of North Winterville Road near US 190 and Irwinville at 2.26 a.m. The crew of the Robinson R-44 helicopter was sent to assist in the pursuit of a fleeing vehicle around 2 a.m. While in flight, the helicopter's tail rotor struck a tree before crashing into a field. Corporal Canazero and Sergeant uh, David Poirier were killed in the crash. Corporal Scotty Canazero, Sergeant David Poirier, Baton Rouge Police Department, Louisiana. End of watch Sunday, March 26, 2023. Each of these officers gave their lives in the line of duty and the dangers, physical dangers facing our law enforcement community are clear from the shooting deaths and the injuries, not counting the accidents that are taking place um, across the country as well. May these officers rest in peace. As you know, on this show, we talk about all things revolving around the physical, mental, spiritual well-being of our law enforcement community. And I have a very special guest with me today. Her story is almost unbelievable. And we're going to start it off. We're going to start this section off with a very recent news story that uh, came uh, as a result of her fight for justice. This is the news story from KOLO in Reno, Nevada. Go ahead and let's play it. Today, the Nevada legislature in Carson City this morning, the first hearing for a bill inspired by the struggle of an injured Washoe County Sheriff's detective we introduced to our viewers last year. For her, the bill was a goal she set for herself long ago. Ed Pierce has the update. The very first time we met Kim Frankel, we were struck not only by the physical challenges she deals with constantly, but her determination to find justice, not only for herself, but for others. A 17-year veteran of the Washoe County Sheriff's Office, her career as a detective and as an extreme sports athlete in her spare time had been cut short by an on-the-job injury, a rear-end traffic accident, which led to a neurological disorder called dystonia. 
More than two years later, the condition, with its constant, painful, involuntary muscle contractions, continued, and lacking prompt treatment was becoming permanent. Her condition is unchanged, as is her struggle with the state's workers' comp system. It was privatized two decades ago by the legislature, a move which took away a worker's right to seek legal action if an employer wrongfully denies or delays treatment for on-the-job injuries. The other half of that arrangement was a promise the employer wouldn't stand in the way of that treatment. A promise which apparently is not being kept. She vowed to change things, and SB 247 is the result. So, appearing with the bill's sponsor, Washoe County Senator Skip Daly, she told her story once again. My family and I continue to this day to unnecessarily suffer and endure the loss of my career, finances, my independence our family home, delay of medical treatment, and unlawful acts committed against me by my own employer, Washoe County, and their third-party administrator. There was opposition as well, a parade of representatives of various business and industry organizations giving a nod to the horrific stories of the victims, but raising doubts about the bill's potential impacts on insurance rates and reduced litigation. The committee will likely vote in a couple of weeks. Frankel left the hearing room pleased, rallying outside with supporters, vowing to continue the struggle. But there's little positive to report about her own personal battle. The county was absent from the hearing, but found their way to Oregon Health Sciences University, where Frankel has been receiving and paying for her treatment on her own at $600 an hour. Spooked by their warnings of entanglement in a possible legal battle, her doctors suspended even that treatment. The retaliation is never ending. I truly believe if I dropped dead today, they would celebrate. Thank you. In Carson City, Ed Pierce, Cola 8 News Now. Well, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that we got to show the, uh, the news report because I think this is a great way to begin this, this interview, Kim. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, and the effort to appear on this Wounded Blue Hour. Um, it's almost thank you for having me. <laughs> it's almost unbelievable um, for the layperson uh, to get their head around the way police officers are often treated by the very agencies and the cities and the counties that they have served. And of course, my involvement with the wounded blue, I see this every single day. But I have to tell you, your story is first of all, touches me deeply personally, but it's also, uh, I, I believe it's one of the most egregious cases that I have seen. So if you would, um, tell the audience a little bit about your law enforcement career, and, uh, and we'll start there and we'll, we'll take it from there. I know that you loved being a cop. Let's talk about why did you decide to enter the law enforcement field and let's talk about your law enforcement career. Thank you, Randy, and thank you for having me on your show. Uh, I loved, I loved being a cop. It's been the hardest part 
about this journey is never ever being able to hear that Velcro of my vest being put on and torn off at the end of a shift. I think my brothers and sisters in blue know exactly what I'm talking about in that sound. Uh, before I was uh, a police officer, I was blessed with an athletic gift and I was a professional athlete and I got to travel the United States and out of the country and seeing the world and experiencing and growing. I wanted to give back and I realized that well, I felt privileged because I had a talent and a gift and my way of giving back. Um, and I knew that being a police officer was gonna be my calling because of the physical challenge and the mental challenge, because there is no Police work is thankless and police officers have the character. We, we don't do it for praise or recognition. We truly drew it from the heart. And I knew that, I always knew that was my call. I grew up in a law enforcement family. My father was a police officer for San Mateo County Sheriff's Office in California for, I believe, approximately 28 years. Um, so I knew when I was ready to hang up my athletic career that that was going to be my calling because it was the next best challenge physically and mentally for me. And unlike being a professional athlete, you're, you're not in the limelight. It's just a a thankless job, but you're doing so much good in the world. And I believe uh, things are shown by actions, not by words. And that was my way of giving back to the world. A small part, small part in this world to make it a better place. Let's talk about your, your law enforcement career. You did 17 years with the Washoe County Sheriff's Department. For those that are unfamiliar with Nevada, Washoe County is one of the larger sheriff's departments in the state. And uh, you began your career as a sheriff's deputy. And let's talk about, about your career. I had a fantastic career. I was in the height of my career when this motor vehicle accident happened. I started in 2005. I worked in the jail for a year. I worked in court transportation. I worked in the community service. I worked in alternative to incarceration unit. I worked in uh, patrol. Um, 
I was a FTO. I then went into detectives. I was a, I, I first did property and then I went over to crimes against persons and specialized in crimes against children. Crimes against children is where I always, always wanted to be. I had set myself up to promote. I had my intermediate post. I had my uh, advanced post. I always set up to promote, but I truly, truly loved. And it sounds crazy because many of my brothers and sisters always would say, I mean, this investigating crimes against children is horrendous, but it was my passion. Uh, the, the challenge of the, the investigating those cases again, it was the challenge that just drew me to them. You know, it wasn't, uh, they weren't, they weren't like, you know, you didn't have just, uh, the smoking gun, you know, for, for investigating. There was a lot of challenges in, to get a case moved forward in those. I enjoyed that. So you had a, you had a, you had a fantastic career and, and like so many others that, um, that chose police work as their vocation, you're passionate about it. And, uh, I know from our conversations, uh, that that passion, um, is what drove is what really drove you to excel at uh, at what is one of the most challenging jobs in policing. You know the uh, you know crimes against children, which is absolutely heartbreaking stuff. But your career, as you knew it, ended as a result of a traffic accident. Let's talk about the day that changed your life. You know, it was as as we all say. It was just a routine day. Uh, I was working as a detective. I was working a case. It was the middle of the afternoon. Uh, I was at a complete stop um, behind approximately four vehicles when at the last minute I saw suspect's vehicle coming at me at a high rate of speed and he slammed right into the back of my vehicle uh long story short uh he took off i pursued and i apprehended him uh he, he he's serving his time um he was uh under the influence and um i never ever thought that i would be sitting here today uh because we deal with incidents like this all the time in our career that's you never know what's going to happen um so it wasn't something out of the ordinary of police work well the accident wasn't out of the ordinary in that that you know we have probably as many police officers lose their lives in in uh traffic related accidents as they do in in uh, you know homicides and uh, and attacks and 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 unfortunately traffic collisions take us take a huge toll on law enforcement officers. But this is an on-duty accident, meaning that the workers' compensation system that is in place is supposed to give you the proper treatment and help you to heal. 
But that is not what happened in your case. Let's talk about that. No, it, it did not happen. Uh, in fact, they're the reason today that I am permanently disabled. It was not the accident itself. It was the delay and the lack, the intentional delay and malicious acts through the workers' comp and system committed upon me by my own employer, Washoe County, and their third-party administrator that made me permanently disabled. From the scene of the accident, or I should say from the scene of when I, where I apprehended the suspect, I was transported by ambulance to the ER. The day of the accident was on my working Friday. So I had a, a three-day weekend. I was released from the ER and I rested and I went back um, on Monday to their, as instructed to their occupational uh, workers comp doctor who uh, sent me right back to work. Uh, seven days later, and excuse me, they sent me right back to work on light duty. Seven days later, I went back into their occupational doctor um, who documented how much worse I, 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 would, I had a concussion at the time and they still sent me back to work even though they documented uh, the down spiral of my condition. Um, and I worked, uh, I continued to work because I trusted in my employer of 17 years and you know they, they they tell you from the day one of the academy you fight and you make it home and you're gonna we're there for you we're your family and they despite uh doctors recommendations and referrals they would not adhere to any of the doctors recommendations or referrals and get me the treatment I needed. And so by October of 2020, I was not medically cleared to go back to work. And I went through the judicial system like every other employee, uh, whether they're law enforcement or not, uh, went through, prevailed through the judicial district court and right, had well, court I'm gonna, orders. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you there uh, because I want to get into this uh, in, in greater depth, but I really want the listening and the viewing audience to understand the gravity of what you, you have just said. So you receive a concussion you and, and other injuries uh, as a result of this traffic accident or collision uh, with a with a DWI suspect, you Correct. go to the the ER. Um, within days, they tell you to go back to work. Correct. And then, 
even though you are in pain, even though you are, you know that something is wrong, and the doctors are telling you that you need certain treatments, the workers' comp system, which is a self-funded system through Washoe County, that means that the individuals that run Washoe County have the ability to make financial decisions regarding your treatment. And yet they, they came out with the incredible uh, 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 decision to not treat you even at the doctor's request is that that's what's saying it correctly is it not in nice terms yes i was diagnosed with whiplash lumbar strain concussion post-concussion syndrome Neuropathy and functional dystonia. Incorrect. At, at one point, one of their own IME, independent medical evaluation neurologists, told them in March of 2021. I have functional dystonia on an industrial basis. I think the claimant is very motivated and in light of the intermittent nature of her symptoms, I expect her to recover. Jesus, okay. And I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. But nobody knows what it's like. I I started taking, I, I kept a synopsis of my symptoms because I was physically fit, mentally fit. I was my entire life, I, ne I didn't even have a general doctor because I never needed to go to one. And I was, this is, I didn't know what was happening to me. I started keeping document, my, my peers were watching my demise in front of them at work. And I was scared shitless. And I thought I was gonna die. And so I started keeping a diary of my symptoms because I knew something was going on, but when you're the one walking around with a concussion and then post-concussion syndrome and, and you're losing your body and I thought I was gonna drop dead and I wanted my husband to have something because I was going to work and nobody was doing anything to help me. I was, and I'm not saying that if there is a crappy employer that they don't deserve to get treatment or to be 
or do they deserve to be treated in any manner this way? Right. But I have been investigated by reporters, by the public. I didn't do anything to deserve this. You sir, you have not. Done Nobody anything. does. You're you're a, you're a hundred percent right. And I wanted to get into a little bit of of the retaliation, but first I have to take a quick break to um, uh, to uh, do a, a little commercial for a supporter of the Wounded Blue. Are you worried about spike proteins and how they may impact your health? Are you looking for help? The Wellness Company has an answer in the form of our clean, pure, all-natural spike formula developed by experts like Dr. Peter McCullough. The Wellness Company's spike formula includes the incredible natokinase, dandelion root, black sativa extract, green tea, and iris sea moss. Even better, the spike formula by The Wellness Company is vegan, gluten-free, and made right here in the USA. So you know that you can trust and rely on it if you're concerned about spike proteins. Buying American-made naturalistic ingredients of this quality separately costs over $100. Our spike formula is only $65.99. Get spike formula today by going to twc.health. Outloud listeners use the code OUTLOUD at checkout for an additional discount. Go to twc.health, promo code OUTLOUD, and get peace of mind if you're concerned about spike proteins. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. You know, the dangers to law enforcement officers across this country are, um, are, are clear. We talk about it every, every episode of the Wounded Blue Hour. And we talk about the physical dangers in, in the, the number of shootings, the number of attacks, the physical dangers from the accidents that take place. But there is another threat out there, and that threat is the threat to your privacy. Um, and that's why I'm going to tell you about an incredible business, a, prod, a product that is available to police officers. It's called OfficerPrivacy.com. It was started by a police lieutenant uh, who, uh, who recognized the threat. And when, when he first came to me and he told me, Randy, 
anybody can find you on the internet and find out where you live and find out private information about you that can lead them directly to you. And I was unaware of this. Um, he showed me, they found, 30, they, I became a customer, okay? They found 37, 37 references to my personal address and vehicles that I owned that could be accessible by anybody including Antifa and all those people that I put in jail during my law enforcement career. So I jumped on officerprivacy.com and you owe it to yourself, to your family, to look at officerprivacy.com. It is not expensive. It is, it is a, a, um, a product that these, that is only the only people that that are working on officer privacy to get the, your stuff off the internet are former or current active duty law enforcement officers. So you can trust that the people that, that are working on your privacy are people that you can trust. So I urge you, go to officerprivacy.com. Pete James is the, uh, is the uh, uh, man who created this and he is working his butt off to help safeguard you and your privacy if you're law enforcement or have been. So go to officerprivacy.com. All right, let's, uh, let's bring Kim back in. Kim, I want to talk about some of the retaliation. Um, you know, you and I, you and I talked um, at length about this, this terrible injustice. First of all, the injustice of you not getting the proper medical treatment in a timely fashion, which you should have gotten. Secondly, um, you're, you're being ordered back to work and the, and the people that are supposed to be your family, your blue family, the people that, that you sacrificed so much for, in essence, turned their back on you. And then if that wasn't bad enough, You've been investigated. You have private, private detectives following you around. I want to talk about that retaliation because this is one of the things that, that we need to really, really um, demonstrate to our, our viewers, our listeners, how law enforcement officers are truly treated even after they sacrifice like you have. Talk about some of your retaliation. Thank you, Randy. Um, I think this is the most important part for people to know, understand, and it's so outrageous that if I wasn't living this, I wouldn't believe it either, and which is public, because abandon it doesn't even define what they have done to me and my family. Not only did not help, but they contributed to the demise of my health. It was like I was shot laying in the street and the people in charge of my department, my command staff, and the leader 
walked up and repeatedly shot me in the head. And every time I would come back fighting, they would walk up and shoot me in the head again and walk away laughing. They had the opportunity to change this situation. So abandonment doesn't even describe my own continued to torture me every time I tried to get up. The first time, the first time that my employer ever reached out to me was a year, approximately a year after the accident. They knew what kind of medical condition I was in. They knew how bad I was. They had me come in to the Washoe County Sheriff's Office for a work status meeting. Slid a piece of paper across the table with my earned personal leave bank and said, you will have to start burning this to receive a paycheck. After the my industrial injuries had been confirmed by their picked, selected doctors and independent medical evaluation doctors, they still continued to have private investigators following me and my family around to intimidate, harass, and bully my family. They sat outside my family home at my son's bus stop. They would sit there all day. They would follow me to the store. They would try and peer through the windows. They would try and listen to any phone calls. They they did not stop even after that is an act of intent and malicious and harassment they had already confirmed you can't fake this you can't fake an eeg of the brain right i want so i want to interrupt you just real briefly so i can explain to the the, uh, the listeners and the viewers, just what the, how significant this is. So in essence, even though you're, you're injured in the line of duty, you cannot return, they're not giving you the proper treatment to begin with, then they say, if you want to earn a paycheck, we're going to take all that vacation that you earned, that you were saving up, and we're going to steal it from you in order for you to get a paycheck. I just want I, I want I want the, the 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 listeners and the viewers to understand the maliciousness of this. And then remember who's paying for all this? Who is pay, who are paying the attorneys to fight you during all of these hearings? Who are paying? Who's paying the private investigators? 
tens of thousands of taxpayers' dollars are being sucked away from treatment that could that you could have had if that they could have paid for with the money that they wasted in attacking you who is the injured officer i just want i want that really really clear to the viewers and the listeners how egregious this entire situation is and it should piss you off and i guarantee you this that these same sets of circumstances are taking place probably in your community as well. If these officers are not given the uh, uh, very strong union representation, very strong workers' compensation laws, then what has happened to Kim Frankel can happen to any police officer in America. And that's why Kim's story is so important for all of us to understand and all of us to get behind her and her efforts because she is a fighter. So I just wanted to, you know, I, I just, every time that I think about the way you're, the way you've been treated, Kim, and the, um, the, the cruelty that you have faced, it, you know, in, in the, in the, aftermath of what could have been a simple traffic accident that resulted in your being um, brought back to health. It just, it angers me deeply. And I know that, that, um, that, this, that this incredible frustration is so deep within you as well. So, you know, we got, you got private eyes following you. You got your family being harassed. You've got, um, basically your 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 own savings being taken from you from an industrial accident so on every level you are being victimized so i'm re-victimized over and over and it's important for people to understand that during this whole process like i said i i prevailed through as high as the district court, and they could not appeal to the Supreme Court because it would be bad case law. They, even when I, there were court orders to this day, this very day, there are court orders to give me my benefits and get me treatment. And they are still in non-compliance of those and there is no recourse the courts are not holding them accountable they violated we in, in police work we have contracts between our associations and our employers they blatantly disregarded those contracts and didn't adhere to them we have contracts and protection to be enforced that says if you are injured in the line of duty you and the claim is accepted you will not be forced to burn your own sick your earned sick vacation and comp leave yeah. they've they, they've been in violation of contracts of court orders if it was you or me randy or anybody else we would be in jail 
Right. And I could not understand why that was happening. So I, I, this isn't me just coming forward saying, oh, you know, poor me. I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. I'm coming public because this is happening and it's not just me. It's happening across our country to police officers. Exactly. So, yeah. And so it's very I want. I want the, the, this clarity as well, and that is that you have done everything you're supposed to do. You uh, had to hire an attorney. You had to appeal each of to each of these steps, which takes a long, long time. I know this because I also experienced the the uh, the system um, where when I suffered a stroke in my police car. My own department did exactly what they did to you. They turned their back on me and said, we're not paying your medical bills. We're not getting you the treatment. And I had to go through every step. I had to get an attorney. I had to appeal. Now, you've done the same thing. And every time that you have had a hearing all the way up the, the, to every level, you have won these hearings. You have prevailed in every step of the way. And yet, still... They are absolutely non-compliant to the court orders, and that is why you have taken on this incredible journey that when we began the, this, this segment, we saw you testifying at the state Senate hearing. Let's talk about that. So... You know, coming from the criminal aspect, you know, I could not understand, you know, I was contacting my employer, asking them to comply because I knew what they were doing and forcing me out and, and, but I just desperately wanted to get the treatment and I could not go get the treatment on my own because uh, if you use your own private insurance when you have an accepted industrial claim, it, it's I'd be committing fraud. I'd be committing a crime. So I just desperately wanted to get the treatment. So I would be sending them the orders and our contracts and saying, please, could you now adhere to these? And they would not. And... Uh, in 2022, an article came out by Jessica Hill, a political reporter in the Las Vegas Journal Review on the broken Nevada workers' comp system. And in that article, none of, or the attorneys and the injured workers that were interviewed would not allow their uh, names to be published in fear of retaliation for their clients in the courts or um, retaliation period is just some of the things that I went through. And at that point in time, when I read this article, I had already lost my, my health. I knew uh, the recovery window had passed and that I was permanently disabled. I had lost my family home due to being terminated from my the Washoe County Sheriff's Office. I had already lost everything. Um, my children, my husband, 
everybody had been affected tremendously. And once you lose everything, everything that you had worked for, I said, I have nothing to lose. So I am going to come forward and I am going to speak out because my understanding of why this is happening is because Nevada is not a bad faith state. So even though there's court orders or there's benefit penalties or there's all this retaliation, uh, there is no recourse for the employee. So I said, I'm going to go public with my story and I, I looked at it as, um, you talked about victimization, Randy, and doing the job that I did. You know, victims come forward, not because of they want um, something to happen to the perpetrator. Victims come forward because they just want the victimization and the perpetrator to stop. So I came forward and went public with my story because I just wanted it to stop and I wanted to move on with my life. And the response I got from the public across the country was overwhelming. So then I realized, Jesus, it's not just me. This is happening. This is criminal. This is, these criminal acts are happening across the country. Just police officers to teachers, dot workers, construction workers, the store clerk, the Taco Bell worker. It's across the country. And, uh, and then my retaliation just got worse. The county came at, at me even harder. That still to this day, they've done nothing to get me treatment. So, uh, and I'm still in constant um, judicial hearings. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I decided, um, you know, <laughs> naively, <laughs> I said to my husband, well, well, why don't we just change the law? You know, and uh, <laughs> I should have paid more attention in, in in history class in high school, because honestly, I'm just a boots on the ground girl that all I remembered was the School of Rock. I'm just a bill on <laughs> <top of laughs> Capitol Hill. I'd, I'd, but, uh, and I had no idea how hard it would be. I had no idea about the lobbyists and the unlimited pockets of employers and insurance companies and how difficult it was going to be. But it also uh, gave me a purpose. So, uh, you know, my friends, uh, Leslie Bell, well, she's my association representative, um, and my husband and my friend Wendy Leonard, you know, they, they, they helped me get this going. Well, and, and what, I, is, what, what, has come to, what has come down to is, at this point, the bill has been a bill to hold um, these companies responsible um, in for for bad faith acts has now 
entered into the Nevada legislative process. That is a massive win for the workers of Nevada and for you, and for you uh, personally uh, to have shepherded this um, through your own uh, strength and your your own commitment. So, but this is it's not a we're not at a done deal yet. This now has to work its way through much more process, and we all know that there are deep pockets at play yes. here, which are going to do everything they can to yes. keep the status quo. And, uh, and, and, and so this, this fight is going to continue on. Um, but you have some, um, you have amazing support. Um, you know, of course, you know, from, from your family, your, your husband is a retired police, uh, or sheriff's step, uh, deputy, your, the, the, the officers that showed up to support you at the hearing was amazing. And the stories that they yes. came out with, um, which are so similar, um, uh, that, uh, that, that the, the state senators that I was of course present and testified myself. But you could see the look in their eyes that they had no idea that this was taking place, that this injustice is taking place. So we're kind of running out of time. Tell me, Kim, what what do you want the listening and the viewing audience? What do you, what's the takeaway you want to tell them before we have to uh, end the show? One, I. I want them to know Randy Sutton and the Wounded Blue reaching out to me was a lifesaver. So please contact them. They are here to help us. And I, Randy, I, I, I need the world to know that the work that you do is indescribable but it saves lives and you showing up to help me at this fight at the legislature legislative session meant the world to me and all the other brothers and sisters in blue because they said that we would never ever get there and we did i want the world to know This is happening. Like I said at the beginning, I would not believe it if I wasn't living it. And it is happening. It's an abuse of power. We've we we we've got the attention of our legislative session. We've got a big fight still in front of us, but this is proof that even though we don't have the deep pockets and Randy, you were with me, boots on the ground, walking around the, the legislative building. We didn't have lobbyists. We didn't have the big paid bucks, you know, that every these politicians and these insurance companies and the employers have, because believe me, they have, they've tried their hardest and almost succeeded blocking us to get there. And, and we got there please this i don't want to see your family in our situation 
And if we don't get the law changed, take a look at me and it should scare the shit out of you. Because if it can happen to me, it's going to happen to you if we don't get this law changed. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join me here at uh, the Wounded Blue Hour. And uh, we will continue this fight together. Thanks so much for joining me, Kim Frankel. Thank you very much for everything you do, Randy. You're a godsend. So as we come to a close, I want you to go to thewoundedblue.org. Go to the website, thewoundedblue.org. See who we are, see what we do, and hit that donate button. We are a complete charity. Uh, we don't get funded by anyone other than people like you, people that care about the folks like Kim Frankel and other officers around this nation. If you're a law enforcement officer, and you're in need of help, you've been injured, either physically, psychologically, emotionally, reach out to us and attend our Law Enforcement Survival Summit on September 26th through the 29th. You can get all of the details at thewoundedblue.org. This is Randy Sutton. Thank you so much for joining me here once again.